Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snack Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. Welcome back to another episode of the Mid-Major Madness podcast in Saxon, Austin, Montgomery. Uh, Austin. A lot to get to uh, on this episode, and we have to start it off with, unfortunately, the news off the court updates tonight. Uh, we're taping this late Monday night about uh, updates coming out of New Mexico with the whole uh, gun situation. And um, we got uh, a press conference earlier this evening. Take us through it. And what do we have uh, what do we know now that we didn't know last week? So I feel like we're in a Netflix um, thriller special here in college basketball edition. And according to the KOAT.com, which is the ABC, like local news station in New Mexico, we saw that situation with Mike Peake being involved in a shooting on New Mexico's campus about a week ago. And um, part of the story was a cop, a whole a police chase had to chase down the New Mexico bus and pull them over to kind of investigate evidence. We kind of saw why that happened. Um, more or less after the shooting, uh, the police saw video of Pete getting in the car with three of his teammates that were named publicly Marcus Avery, Anthony Roy, and Isaiah Muhammad. And um, when the cops pulled the Mexico team bus over looking for the weapon, they found out that one of the assistant coaches held on to the gun in their hotel in Albuquerque, which is, I don't know, that's pretty crazy to me. And the way the school handled it doesn't really look good for Greg Hyde in the New Mexico State program. They didn't, according to the art, the article, they accused New Mexico State's athletic department and coaches for not cooperating with the investiga- investigation. The language suggests that they uh, participated in an obstruction of justice or something along those lines. So this is still a developing story. Um, Chargers may come, may come. Uh, Mike, New Mexico State also just announced before this report coming was coming out. Mike Peak um, was put on suspension before he wasn't playing, but he was still active with the team. So. A lot of things going on here. Um, it's kind of mind-boggling how they've handled it, and I think they handled it ir- irresponsibly, too. Um, it's one thing for, like, the players to separate the players and what they're going through, and they can handle it the way they want to, whether they need to get their own lawyers or anything like that. But the school, of being a state employee and not – cooperating with a public police investigation that's oh kind of mind-boggling to me 
the the whole assistant coach aspect of this is to me the most fascinating and the scariest part of it at the same time when you think about that yes as you mentioned he's a state employee but also you're an adult and if you have a gun what are you doing with a gun on a basketball trip you're there to play a game coach at practice get your team ready to participate in you know be it at their best I've never heard of a gun ever being a part of that. Um, and so that's the wildest aspect of it. If fine, if it was just among college kids, granted, no, but they shouldn't be having guns in the first place. But it's almost as if they're, you know, not old enough to understand the ramifications of having a gun. But you're, a full-grown adult, you're aiding and abetting this now. It it almost seems like, and to me, that's the worst part of all of this. That, uh, and how is it that Peak was able to get the gun from the coach? That whose gun is it? There are just so many elements to this that the more that comes out, the the scarier and the worse it looks. Yeah, especially too like. If the coach had the gun, and according to the report, the coaching staff um, told the police they didn't know anything about that said weapon. It's, I don't know. I'm kind of like kind of old school too, just kind of like kind of handle your own thing, kind of handle your own thing. Like if you ever get in trouble, like, my dad's like kind of like old school it's like make sure you never talk to a police get a lawyer or whatever you know but even in from like my case too being in the being a coach in the situation i don't know how you can handle the situation any worse in addition new mexico state had a game today and all three players that were named in this report were playing and were on the bench so there was no pre-discipline on New Mexico State's side to handle the players that were involved in um involved in the incident outside of Mike Peak. It it's almost as if there's a bigger story here, given the fact that it, it almost feels like New Mexico State was looking at it as though Mike Peak could kind of be the fall guy for maybe what appears to now maybe look like a bigger operation when you have the assistant coach, you have the other players involved in this, that, you know, at first it looked like it was just Mike Peake got involved in a, in a bad situation. There was a, a gun on the scene and gunfire and fatalities. But now the fact that, you know, maybe did was New Mexico State hoping that it wouldn't come out? But, like, you have to know that the truth's going to come out, that whoever is involved in this is going to be – it's going to come – it's going to be known that you were involved. Like, it, it, it's mind-boggling that, you know, that they can, in so many words, go about business 
as normal, fine, without peak, but business as usual for everyone else until it's like, oh, wait, oh, because of this investigation, oh, now we have to do something. You have to be proactive, not reactive, and they are being the worst kind of reactive. Yeah, I think it's going to be a short-lived term for this coaching staff. There's still an investigation pending, but by the, I don't think they make it to 2023 or even the end of the week. No, I, I think that it's, we're talking maybe a matter of minutes or hours, not, not days and weeks. Um, it's, it's just one of these stories that uh, you mentioned it coming out of a, a Netflix series and yeah, it, it it feels very surreal. It, it This shouldn't be real life, but it is. And just trying to grapple with it and wrap our heads around it is um, a tough task. And uh, I can only feel for everyone else who's involved in this, who, uh, the, you know, the bystanders, the, the people uh, on the team and in the program that didn't have anything to do with this, that they're, seasons and careers now are kind of being ripped apart from whatever craziness this is. Yeah, and this Mexico State team, they're supposed to be pretty good. They got Xavier Pinson, uh, LSU transfer, and it's just that's where kind of really who I feel bad for is everyone else that wasn't involved in the situation, and now their season's kind of, a, for lack of a better word, it's a shit show. Yeah, it's definitely in shambles, and um, it's it's a New Mexico State team that you know had a good team last year. I had some high expectations for them this season as well, and you can only wonder what is going to come of the product on the court. Of course, the bigger story and the more important story is uh, what comes off the court in terms of punishment and and the legal system but still just a a wild uh turn of event sequence uh still a lot more being uncovered and um you know a a ton of great reports out of new mexico um based on uh the story and of course uh, all the reporters there will do a, a great job continuing to update us and give us the latest as well law enforcement but um turning to the other program from the state of new mexico the lopos i have to give you props austin you were absolutely right they would went into saint mary's and picked up a hard fought victory against the gales i thought the gales were gonna uh right this ship and uh show themselves as uh, one of the top mid majors in the program, but in the country, but New Mexico did it and uh, remained undefeated on the season with that victory. Well, I must know something, right? And, you know, I showed out them a little bit about college basketball, at least. Um, But yeah, and it's not, I don't even think it's St. Mary's is bad or taking like a, taking a step back. I think they're going to, be they're going to be competitive in the WCC. And I think that's St. Mary's is still a tournament team. I just think uh, Richard Pertino just 
has taken New Mexico to a much larger step. They have Donovan Dent, freshman, who stepped up the last couple games with the Mountain West freshman of the week. And then you got to have veterans behind him like Jamal Mashburn from Minnesota, Jalen House, who's probably the best backcourt combo in that league. Then you have guys like Javante Johnson, who's athletic wing and um, forward, athletic forwards uh, that like Morris uh, Udesi, transfer from Wichita State, who's was one of their weaknesses as New Mexico was on the defensive end, and they're cleaning that up a little bit. We thought the Mountain West was good last year when they sent four teams to the NCAA tournament. I think they might be better this year. Because you have New Mexico that's 7-0, and then you also have two other undefeated teams in that same conference with UNLV and Utah State, who um, I don't know if you – I didn't get to catch the game, but a very impressive 82-64 to win last Sunday on the road against San Francisco. Yeah, totally agree with you there that uh, – that, to me, really kind of stuck out, and that that's what our t- – uh, other top 25 posting centered around uh, the Mountain West this year off to an incredible start between New Mexico, Utah State, and UNLV. And uh, I didn't get to catch that game either. But when you look at the quality of wins that those three programs have been picking up over the last couple of uh, the last week or two, it's very impressive and really starting to make a lot of noise for the conference as a whole. And each of these programs um, that you have to consider the Mountain West possibly is arguably maybe the best one or two mid-major conferences in the country. Yeah, I really like what Utah State did. They lose Justin Bean, they, but... You guys, you have guys that step up, have been stepping up, like Stephen Ashworth, averaging 19 points per game. He's taking the next step. Beside him, you have a physical slashing guard and Sean uh, Barstow. And then, long time, a guy that I feel like has been playing college basketball forever, uh, Taylor Funk, transferred from St. Joseph's, averaged double, uh, double figures. And for uh, five years, he was in the a ten there playing, and now he's averaging seventeen points per game, and yeah, very very solid team from uh, Utah State, and I and UNLV might be one of my favorite teams. Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over two million vehicles and fifty thousand more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to Cars.com. It's magical. Um, Out of all them in majors this year, they have five Power 5 transfers. They have Elijah Harkless, who's a... one of the best two-way players and uh, two-way players in that league. Starter at Oklahoma was at CSUN before, and that team just built the win. A lot of athletic guys that can defend, and 
scoring is not going to be the prettiest at time, but they have guys that can get buckets. And UNLV, they're one of those uh, schools that were kind of searching for something when uh, Olsenberger left UNLV for Iowa State. Kevin Kruger is the guy. I think he's going to resurrect UNLV. And, yeah, the, the Rebels, they beat uh, San Diego. And they have a solid wins against uh, Minnesota. They beat Dayton earlier in the year. And they'll face San Diego State on New Year's Day at home. So that'll be interesting. Keyshawn Gilbert's a guy that's a slasher. Um, He's been uh, a guy that's improved from year one to year two. Luis Rodriguez was a D1 starter as well as Elijah Parquet, for I believe he played for Colorado. And Rodriguez was played for Ole Miss, I believe. So they have some guys that can play. And I think we might be able to get UNLV in the tournament. They're ranked 34th in defensive efficiency, and they're first in turnovers at the second highest rate in the country. So the running Rebels are running again. Yeah, the the sport just feels right when UNLV has a good team. Uh, you think about when they were going to the Final Four or in the early 90s, and it's really been a pretty dry spell over since then. And it, it just – college basketball feels better when you have a good UNLV team, when they're a talk of the town – and we have that again this year, as you mentioned, um, you know, having some quality wins already. And, you know, their schedule doesn't really get much easier. It's they have Washington State coming up on Saturday, then San Francisco after that. Then a couple weeks later, you, you pinpointed that San Diego State game. Well, then they have to travel to New Mexico right after that. The Mountain West is going to be a gauntlet this year but i'm really enjoying the way that the unlv team has dealt together defensively in particular uh they will lock you down but on the other side the utah state team just to jump back to them for a minute they can shoot the lights out of the ball uh they're second in the country in in three-point field goal percentage and led by Ashworth, who earlier this year went eight for nine from three-point land uh, in a 30-point performance against Oral Roberts. So it will be so much fun when Utah State and UNLV meet up. You're going to have a battle of a great offensive team against a great defensive team, and different types of styles make for great fights. So I'm really looking forward to seeing how those teams will shake out down the stretch. Utah State is a team that I think is going to catch some people by surprise this year, and I'm all for it. I'm buying in on them right now. Yeah, I like the Aggies as well. Um, I'll be actually see them, I believe, when they play Loyola Marymount. They're very explosive. I really like what Ryan Odom has done with them, and this is year two for uh, Odom, I believe. We we know what he did at UMBC. 
biggest upset. He led the biggest upset in NCAA tournament history. So, given the resources that he has now at Utah State and Logan, Utah, with that fan base, they have one of the, as far as mid-major fan bases, Utah State's up there as far as fan, fan support goes. You have the players. They're, the Mountain West is going to be good enough where they're going to have opportunities for quality wins. They haven't lost yet. Maybe another NCAA tournament appearance in the Aggies future. Totally agree with you there. And uh, Odom, I think it, it, this is uh, only continuing the building blocks for him with that Aggies program. Um, another one more game to kind of touch on from the past week. Uh, St. Mary's and Houston Saturday night um, had a lot of attention drawn to it. Houston pulled away in the contest, and you know that's a Cougars team that uh, took a t- took a fight from a tough St. Mary's team. But uh, once again, Kelvin Sampson squad continuing to show exactly why they are the top team in the nation. Yeah, I think St. Mary's probably should have won this game. If it wasn't for an O, Houston went on like a 9-0 run, like two minutes left in the second half. But St. Mary's fought. Um, They're really good. Logan Johnson had 17 points. Aiden Mahaney coming off the bench, hitting four for eight from three. If I think what really St. Mary's is missing is just kind of an inside presence or inside scoring presence. They don't have um, Matthias Toss from last year. Mitchell Saxon replaces him. And he had probably three or four opportunities to have an open dunk. And give credit to Houston's defense for being able to collapse and rotate really fast. And they're just extremely physical. I feel like it almost seems like they foul on every possession. Like, when you bet against Houston, I don't recommend it, but you're going to be screaming at fouls every possession, especially when they try to um, pressure you and trap you on in the perimeter, and it just kind of got St. Mary's out of sync, but still they were able to move the ball, get open shots. Um, they kept it the game throughout. If it wasn't for that lapse in the second – in the first half, they're in the game the entire time. Houston only had 10 offensive rebounds, which is still a good amount, but low for Houston's total. Um, this will probably be Houston's one of the more tougher tests. It felt kind of like a second-round NCAA tournament matchup. That was kind of the vibes I got, but and we saw Houston's tough. Well, it was also cool. Kelvin Sampson and um, Randy Bennett have coached a, a combined 54 years in college basketball. Isn't that pretty crazy? Wow. That is quite uh, a lot of college basketball history between the two of them. Yeah, that's a really good point. Two real legends and icons in the game, and especially when you think about how you know, a lot of the legendary longtime coaches have uh, hung it up recently. They're two of the elder statesmen now in the game. And um, 
when you have a, an opportunity to have two high-level coaches matching up like that, be it a non-conference game in early December, it's still exciting to see. Before we get out of here, do want to give a shout-out to the Yale Bulldogs. Ben Rabb, uh, reporter for the Yale Daily News, wrote in to us and uh, you know said, how about we give the Bulldogs some love? They uh, rank 90th in Ken Palm and have a, a you know come out even higher than several teams that we have in our top 25 um, ranked higher than UC Irvine, Toledo, Tulane, VCU, Towson, Charleston. Um, the Bulldogs come in eight and one at the time of this taping. The lone loss coming by three points at Colorado. They have a 30 point win against Vermont. They knocked off Hawaii in overtime. Um, just most recently won at Stony Brook by five. Tough week coming up for them with a showdown at Butler on Tuesday night. And then Saturday, they will travel to Kentucky. So uh, good stuff in New Haven, Connecticut by head coach James Jones, the winningest coach in Yale history. He's been there over 20 years. And, you know, th this could be one of his best teams. Um, so uh, I'm looking forward to seeing what they could maybe do in Ivy League play once the calendar turns to the conference slate. But uh, definitely have to give them a shout out. If you're out there and can think of someone who we're not given too much attention to and uh, is deserving of it, definitely let us know. We're, we're always looking for uh, getting the, the best stories out of the mid-major teams. All right. And before we go, let's do like a kind of a quick pick them game to the week. Houston, Alabama, who do you got? Uh, I think Houston going to be high-level basketball game, but got to go with the Cougars. They haven't disappointed yet. Yeah, I'm going to go Houston here. They kind of remind me. I think the team Houston reminds me of is like the 2013 Louisville team that won the national title. Russ Smith, Marcus Sasser, a lot of resemblance there. San Diego State, St. Mary's, and the Jerry Colangelo, Jerry Colangelo Classic. WCC versus Mountain West, who you got? Sticking San Diego State. Um, I think that the Aztecs are the real deal, and I think that they're going to be competing for a, about a four or five seed in the NCAA tournament. I'm going to go against you here. I'm going to go with St. Mary's. San Diego State's been struggling as of late. Limped to a win against UC Irvine and Troy. St. Mary's can kind of match their style, take St. Mary's there. And we'll go with the Skyline Chili Crosstown Shootout, Cincinnati hosting Xavier. Who wins in that one? I think Cincinnati. I think that this is this is going to be a game where the Bearcats will st start to really find their own, get their momentum uh, heading into conference play. This is going to be a tough one. Cincinnati just killed Bryant, but Sean Miller and the Xavier team, Colby Jones, Jack Nungy. 
hard to go with the road team in this rivalry, but I think Xavier pulls it off. And then one final game, we talked about him, UNLV playing in the Las Vegas Classic versus a Washington State. Do the Rebels stay undefeated? Yes. Um, I'm buying in on the running Rebels. Rebels, lock of the week. Book it in. When the line goes up on Friday, just cash your money. We'll take you an LV. Wow, the lock of the week from Austin Montgomery. You heard it here on the Mid-Major Madness podcast. Thank you for tuning in this week. We'll catch you next time.